Welcome to Following, a weekly podcast where we will discuss how to follow Jesus. Christianity is not an event you attend, it's a life you live. Join us each week as we dive into the intersection of real-life circumstances and the life-changing Word of God. Come, follow Jesus with us. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of the following podcast. Uh, We're excited to be back here in the studio uh, looking at uh, another passage in the Gospel of John. Um, Phil, would you want to go ahead and read that for us? Yeah. So John 1, verse 19 through 34. And this is the witness of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny. And he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you a prophet? Are the prophet? And he answered, No. They said then to him, Who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Amen. All right. So what what exactly is going on in this text? What is John trying to do before we get too far into the application of it? Yeah, so in verse 19, he says, this is the witness of John. So what we're reading here is the, in a sense, the legal testimony of John regarding the identity of Christ. And everything that he does is pointing to Jesus' real identity. So he's he's first asked about his own identity, and his own identity actually is pointing the finger at Jesus as God. He is not the Christ himself. He's not Elijah the prophet. He's not the prophet from Deuteronomy 18. Rather, he wants to zero in on Isaiah 40. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that great text from Isaiah 40 to 66, where you, you see the Lord's focus on restoration and new creation, all of it with the servant of the Lord who's anointed by the Spirit of God to bring about the new creation. And so John is saying that is happening now. The Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is upon us. And, and I think that's what he's saying. And then he, he moves into a statement that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he, this the, the day of the Lord is arriving for judgment and salvation, and it's happening in a way that we did not anticipate. 
we should have in a sense because it's it's in the Old Testament prophets, but uh, there is a, a not an anticipation of Jesus' identity as the substitutionary sacrifice that would remove our sins. And finally, he's the chosen one of God. Just as Isaiah 42 refers to, he's the, the one chosen of God, anointed by the Spirit visibly. And John says, I came baptizing in water in order to manifest him to Israel, in order to make his presence known. That's why he came. And he says, I'm pointing my finger at him. That's him. That's the guy who is the Savior. So he's, John is using John the Baptist's testimony to persuade and convince us of Jesus' identity so that we will believe and have life in his name. Yeah. And just to be clear, there's two different Johns here. We have yes. John, the author who wrote this gospel, and then John the Baptist, who's right. the one pointing to Christ. And, right. And later, later John says something that um, is really profound. Actually, people are, 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 are questioning John about his disciples and, and moving, you know, his, how his disciples are leaving him and going to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and what does John say? He says, I must become less and he must become mm-hmm. more. I must decrease while he increases. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the ministry of John is to point to Jesus, that's to right. exalt Jesus, to that's say, right. this is the one we've been waiting for. Yeah, and that's, and that's the same responsibility that we have as believers, mm-hmm. to point to Jesus. Yeah. We have a tendency to point at ourselves and mm-hmm. say, look at me, and we use Jesus as a way of propping ourselves up and making ourselves great in the eyes of people. But we should take a lesson from John the Baptist. We must decrease, and he must increase. Mm-hmm. We are simply a vessel to be used by God to shine the light of Christ into the world and point people to Jesus. Yeah. So you said something earlier about what John is John the Baptist is trying to do with this uh, with this message. He's, right. He's trying to point people to Jesus so mm-hmm. that they become convinced that mm-hmm. Jesus is the one that the Old Testament is talking about. So what do you mean by convinced? Well, I think people don't believe because they are unconvinced. Right. Your 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 faith faith is confidence in. Um, in someone or something, for instance, like if you, if you had something break at your house and your furnace is not working on this cold day and, and you, need, you don't know what to do to fix it, you're going to call someone whom you are convinced knows how to fix the problem mm-hmm. and can give you help. You're not going to call me, for instance, because I have no idea how to do that. No one's going to call me and ask for help on how to fix their furnace because I don't know how to do that. Um, so they're, they're, they're calling of me. Or, or the calling of another person instead of me is because they have become convinced and persuaded that this person knows how to fix the problem. And so the call flows out of that persuasion, if you would. So faith is like that. Faith is being convinced and persuaded, confident that this person can help, right? So people don't follow Jesus. People don't submit to Jesus. People don't embrace Jesus as the life-giving one because they're unconvinced. They're not persuaded that he can help them. Uh, And it's not just unbelievers who are at times unconvinced. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect here of, of people who have trusted in Christ for salvation, and yet they remain unconvinced that Jesus satisfies, that he satisfies the longings of their heart, the longing for peace and the longing for contentment, the longing for rest, the longing for love and acceptance, the longing for, for community when you're lonely, the, the, the longing for pleasure and happiness and gladness. They're not convinced that Jesus provides, even though he promises these things, they're not convinced. And so they keep going to the world and the things of the world. Yeah. So, well, then the question is, well, how do we know if 
we're unconvinced? How do we diagnose our own hearts, so to speak, to see that we're, we're unconvinced that Jesus actually does satisfy? I, I think the easiest way to do that is, is to look at your own desires. What, what are you aching for? What are you wanting, right? So some of us may be lonely. Some of us may be depressed. Some of us may be extremely anxious. Some of us uh, may be bored. Some of us um, are just generally unhappy. We just have no peace. Um, there's no joy. You know, the, there's just that, that ache, that longing, that I need something. And we attempt to fix that in various ways. So when you feel bad, when you feel lonely, when you feel depressed, when you feel discouraged, when you feel stressed, when you feel anxious, what do you do to fix the problem, right? So you have to stop and think about it. And, and, and I would encourage you to write it down, you know, to, to stop and take a few minutes and just think, okay, when I'm feeling this way, what do I do to f- fix the feeling? How do I make the feeling go away? How do I make myself feel better? Some people eat, some people um, drink, some people use pornography, some people go shopping because there's an endorphin release with these things. We can indulge the desires by external means. You know, it's, it's in a sense medicating ourselves experientially so we can make ourselves feel better in the moment by doing X. So you have to think about what do I do when I'm stressed? What do I do when I'm angry? What do I do when I am depressed? What do I do when I'm anxious? What do I do when I'm lonely? What do I do when I, you fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. So what is it that you're going to? That's how you can diagnose whether or not you're convinced in Jesus. Because if you don't go to Jesus, you're going, then you're unconvinced that he can give you the rest that your soul needs. You're unconvinced that he can give you joy. You're unconvinced that he can give you pleasure. And that's why you're going to something else for that. Yeah, and by continuing to go to something else other than, than Christ, we're, in a sense, we're training our brains to, uh, to be gratified by mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't really satisfy, stuff that doesn't really last. It reminds me of somebody who's uh, addicted to nicotine. They, whenever something happens at work or something or with their family and stress levels rise, what's the first instinct that they have is to go for that source of nicotine, wherever that, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And, and by doing that, they continually train their brains to want more, more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of the same thing that we've got going here, regardless of what it is. Whenever life hits us, our instinct is to uh, medicate that, like you said earlier, is to, to fix that problem. And we mm-hmm. do that through various different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the question that I have is, is okay, wh- why aren't we convinced of Jesus? Like, what, What's going on in our lives that makes us unconvinced that, Jesus really does satisfy. We know that's what he, he, he tells us, that he's going to satisfy us. Uh, there's Psalm, in Psalm, what is it? 37.4. says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll, he'll give you all of the desires of your heart. So why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think it goes back to something you said just a minute ago. We're training ourselves to be unconvinced. And we don't know that we're doing that. But... Um, what happens is, is we have desires and we seek naturally the path of least resistance. What's going to make that desire satisfied the quickest? What's going to give me the fastest 
relief uh, imaginable. Like you, you get a headache. I, I'm, I'm taking some medicine because I need relief as quickly as possible, right? If you break something, you need help immediately. You, you want the pain to stop. And so you take the fastest path towards relief oftentimes. And spiritually, we, we do the same thing with, with our hearts. But what we have to remember is the indulging of those desires by external means um, is how we operated in the sinful nature prior to Christ, mm-hmm. right? So in, in some ways, we're just kind of going back into that rut. If you look at Galatia, or not Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2, he says um, that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And this is what he says. He says, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So notice what he says there. We lived, and how, how did that living take place? in the indulging of, our, of the desires of our flesh and of our mind. So th- there's desires of our physical, um, physiological desires, right, for sexual pleasure or for food or whatever. And then there's this, the desires of our mind to, to be a- admired or appreciated or worshipped in that sense. So in the past, we lived our life by the constant indulgence of those desires gratifying those desires as fast as possible. And as a result, we've trained ourselves for experientially by immediate gratification. You do get a, a buzz of happiness. You do get a buzz of pleasure. It, these things experientially do make you feel better in the short run, right? That's why people do them. Whether we're talking about shopping or we're talking about uh, overeating, uh, when you're stressed, you know, either one of those things, we do those things because they do make us feel better in the moment, but they don't last. They don't satisfy. And then, and I think that's the key is there's a difference between being gratified and satisfied, right? Because being gratified is immediate. It's experiential and it's immediate, but it doesn't last. It's, it's a temporary thing where satisfying, satisfied is also experiential, but it's a delayed gratification, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not instantaneous. It's oftentimes the result of or um, of a long path of experience that's growing into this contentment that doesn't happen overnight. And we're not patient enough for that. And so it's easy for us to slide back into that old rut of, I need to feel better, and so I can know if I do this thing, if I if I click on that link and buy that thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel a rush of en- of endorphins, or if I look at pornography, I'm gonna feel a rush of control and sexual pleasure, or if I um, if I uh, go grab the ice cream out of the out of the freezer because I'm stressed and tired and and maybe upset because of something somebody said or did. Uh, I'm going to feel an immediate sense of happiness. And, and instead of allowing ourselves to get to the point where we can be genuinely satisfied experientially, we kind of short-circuit that and train ourselves to never be satisfied by always being instantly gratified. Does that make sense? Yeah. It reminds me of uh, this guy that I, I follow on Instagram. He, he's a huge like health, health dude talking mm-hmm. about food. And he uh, used to be 
a total vegan. And now all he does is eat raw meat. Raw meat? Raw meat. Like raw chicken, raw fish. He, he's, he's crazy. I wouldn't recommend <laughs> doing that. But, but people always ask him, well, like, well, how, how do you satisfy like, your cravings for ice cream or something? He's like, I don't have those anymore. I mm. just, I, these things satisfy me now. Mm. They're good for me. They're, they're healthy. He doesn't just eat raw meat. I mean, he also has like, yeah. you know, veggies and, and stuff. But, but what, what I'm getting at is he's trained his brain to enjoy stuff that's good for him mm-hmm. instead of training his brain to enjoy stuff that's bad for him. It might give you a quick fix. Yeah. You know, if, you're, you, know, if, if you consume a bunch of sugar, that's going to give you a quick fix and it's mm-hmm. going to make you feel good for a few seconds. But you do that over the years mm-hmm. and you end up obese and, and sick and yeah, you don't feel good later. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, it, it, the eating. I struggle with eating, uh, and and the eating, it, it's because it tastes good, and so mm-hmm. it gives you that immediate. But then, knowing sometimes what I eat, there's certain things that I can't eat um, now. I'm discovering because it causes me much pain later, um, but I still find that I'm drawn to eating those things mm-hmm. because of the immediate gratification even though it, it's not going to satisfy me later it's going to make me feel worse and i think that's how we do a lot of our desire fulfillment we don't go to jesus because it's a delayed gratification and because we're not we're not willing to wait in faith for that satisfaction to come we want immediate results we want immediate gratification now and so because of that we're just we're in this constant cycle mm-hmm. of of need and never getting to rest never yeah. getting to to peace yeah and and another example of this is like whenever you wake up in the morning what's the first thing you grab do you grab your cell phone or do you mm-hmm. grab your your bible and spend time with the word and and prayer and I, I really struggled with that uh, a lot throughout my college years was mm-hmm. the first thing I grabbed was my phone. And it did give me this like instant, mm-hmm. you know, gratification or instant fix that I, that I needed uh, to, to look at a screen, you know, but now that I've, I've kind of done away with that issue and, and instead I get up and I spend time in the word first thing first, I don't look at my phone until I've mm-hmm. read the word. I've, I've noticed a difference in the way the rest of my day goes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, if the first thing isn't my phone, I'm much happier the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm much Absolutely. more lively the rest of the day. I'm much more motivated the rest of the mm-hmm. day. And it's because I'm, I'm, I'm seeking a delayed satisfaction instead mm-hmm. of an instant gratification. Right. Right. So, so when, when, when talking about all this, like let's get kind of practical here. So how, how do we find genuine satisfaction in Christ? If we're going to, uh, our hearts are are longing to be satisfied Mm -hmm. and we try to fix that with all sorts of different things like shopping when we don't have money or eating Mm -hmm. when we know it's bad for us Mm -hmm. so what what are we supposed to do in order to find satisfaction in jesus i think um one thing that i'm starting to implement on a regular basis in my own life uh, based on a a book i was reading um and i and i think he's right and i think it's in the same area is that in order to teach ourselves to to uh, to kind of get off this hamster wheel of instant gratification, you have to fast. And when I mean fast, I mean fasting from food for a particular period of time. Because what you're doing, that's one of the most basic physiological desires. And, and what I have found is that if you begin to get kind of control over one desire and you begin to kind of help that desire kind of fall in line, 
then suddenly some of these other desires start falling in line as well. So you you have to retrain yourself that instant gratification is not the path to joy. Mm-hmm. The path to joy is in delayed gratification that leads to a, a greater satisfaction. Yeah. So one of the, the best ways to do this is to intentionally fast. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would recommend fasting at least once a week in the same time, same day, kind of a deal where it's a, a, a rhythm of your life where you're fasting um, for the purpose of hindering or shutting down that, that wheel of instant gratification. Feel a desire, gratify it. Feel a desire, gratify it. Feel a desire, gratify it. When you feel the desire, say no to yourself. Because even that is, that is what following Jesus is about. It's denying ourselves, taking up our cross, which is sacrifice, sacrificial language, because it's, that's a putting to death situation. So d- saying no to what you want sacrificing what you want and following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the way that you can really teach yourself on a, on a really practical way to do that is by fasting from yeah. food. You know, start small, maybe starting uh, fasting from breakfast. What was that, what was that book you, you mentioned um, It's by uh, John Mark Comer, Live, Live No Lies, I think is the name of okay. it. Live No Lies. Yeah. Um, it's a helpful book. Um, but that's one of the ways that he encourages you to to kind of target this, this area is, is by fasting. And it's fasting from food. Now, you can fast from other things. You can fast from your phone. You can but when the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about fasting from food. Right. And I think that's the best place to start and, and say no to food and, and stuff, food and drink for a period of time. I think you should drink water. And, and even, you know, if you're starting off, even coffee and tea, I think, would be fine as long as there's no sugar in it. But the point is to... F- and you say, well, I'm going to be hungry. I, I don't know that I can do that. Yes, you can. You, you, you can. Mm. You, the reason we don't is because we've trained our bodies. We've trained our minds. I feel a little bit of hunger. Instant gratification. Yeah. And, and this way, you're going to train yourself to, to wait and to deny that, that desire for an even better satisfaction later. And what you begin to do is you begin to see that your heart begins to kind of form a new a new way of reacting to the desires of your flesh and the desires of your mind. I don't gratify it immediately. I do what's best. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're sort of running out of time here, but maybe okay. just one more practical way. of. Um, yeah. I think just finding the spiritual disciplines of to, for us here at Make an FBC, we've identified six that are really, I think, foundational. I don't know that they're exhaustive, but I do think they're foundational for living in the presence of God. And we found those as we were studying the Old Testament texts about the tabernacle. You know, these are the ways that the people interacted with God in his presence in the tabernacle. Number one is praying. You know, giving yourself to prayer on a daily basis. Number two is giving. And giving is important because that's another way that you attack that, that urge of the, of the mind, the desire of the mind to, to make yourself feel better by indulging yourself, giving to yourself. By giving it away to others, you're retraining your brain that joy is not found in taking. Joy is found in giving. And, and it, it is true. Um, third is washing yourself with the Word. There, like you were mentioning earlier, we have to start with the Word of God. We have, to, we have to saturate our hearts with the Word of God. The Word of God has to be constantly on our mind. 
We need to be reading it. We need to be memorizing it. We need to be meditating on it. We need to be studying it. We need to be spending more time with God's Word in various contexts than we do with the, the mediums of this world, the, the ideas of this world, and we're not. Right now, the, the, the shift is much more towards the world. Loving one another, you know, instead of focusing on me and gratifying me, considering others to be more important than me. Again, it's, it's, for, it's, it's delayed gratification of my desires and my needs in order to meet others. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then um, mentoring and resting are the last two. But I think if you intentionally focus yourself to, to live in the presence of God, to pursue God in these practical, tangible ways, you're going to experience, it's, it's not instant, right? But the, the long way of obedience leads to greater satisfaction. Yeah. And you get off the hamster wheel of instant gratification, and you find yourself experiencing soul contentment and mm-hmm. satisfaction in Jesus. It's experiential, it, but it takes a little ways to get there. And if you're, if you're constantly coming back, I got to have it now, I got to have it now, I got to have it now, you're never going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll never be satisfied. No, truly. and you won't be satisfied. So I guess what we would say to you is seek after this delayed satisfaction, not mm-hmm. this instant gratification. Right. It's not worth it right. to continually gratify the desires of the flesh. What, it, what is worth it is to continue to seek Jesus and continue to pursue him and yeah. continue to be uh, truly satisfied by yeah. the well that never runs dry. Jesus yeah. says that all who come to him will never thirst. They'll never hunger again. And what he's saying there is, not that we'll never physically thirst or hunger, but what he's saying is you'll never yeah. satisfy. Be, you never, you'll never need satis- satisfaction anywhere else. Yeah, you'll have him, yeah. and you don't need anything else. It, that's the issue. Jesus promises this. He promises rest. Mm-hmm. He promises joy. He promises peace. He promises fulfillment. He, he promises contentment. He promises us these things. And we say, well, I'm not experiencing it. it it's because you're not seeking him. You you're you are seeking only yourself, yeah. and you have to live by faith in His promises and seek Him as He instructs, and and you will experience experiential satisfaction in Jesus. It will come, but you have to seek Him as He commands. Yeah, Amen. That's good. Well, let's let's go ahead and close this episode out. Thank you all for for listening. Uh, we hope that you found this helpful. We. We hope that you, uh, you know, share this around to your friends and, and family and, and get this podcast out there. Um, but with that, um, I guess until next week, keep following Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in to Following. We truly hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. If you did enjoy this episode, We ask that you would go ahead and hit that follow button and share this podcast with your friends, post it to your social media, whatever. Uh, Just get this podcast out there. And if you'd like to hear more on this text, visit the link in the description and you can watch or listen to the sermon on this text. For more resources like this, go to hopeformacon.com. Until next week, keep following Jesus.